What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Sorry to interrupt today's episode, but I have some good news. Together, we have been able to pay $500 towards somebody's infertility debt. You guys know life after miscarriage can be quite expensive. If that's a DNC, infertility treatments, IVF, adoption, testing, you name it, we've all probably felt some sort of financial burden in this whole life after miscarriage. So in this episode, I have dropped links to our Lamb Fam merch, sweatshirts, t-shirts, tank tops, 100% of the profit goes towards these $500 life after miscarriage giveaways and will continue to do so. So go grab yourself some merch, take some pictures, share it on Instagram, and let's continue to support the Lamb Fam. I love you guys so much. I literally could not do this without you. So thank you. Hello, everyone. We have Carly Schiff on today's episode. I am so excited, you guys, because this is an update episode. Her original episode was aired on May 1st. It was episode 179. So if you want to go back and take a listen, if you haven't heard her story. Um, But yeah, she's going to share some exciting news. We left off on her last episode in her first two-week wait after medicated cycle post-miscarriage. So Carly, I'm just going to toss it at you and kind of fill us in on where we left off. Awesome. Thanks, Shelly. I'm excited to be back to share this. I love, love, love the update episodes. And when I was like in the trenches, they were the best to listen to and gave me so much hope. So I hope I can do that for someone else. So yeah, the last time we spoke, it was, even though it aired in May, for me, it was like end of February, beginning of March. And I was in my first two-week wait after my miscarriage. I hadn't gotten my period back. I hadn't ovulated because I had something called hypothalamic amenorrhea, which I didn't talk too much about in my last episode, but I will share a little bit more in this episode. Um, And when we talked, I was basically, I had been testing out my trigger shot because since I did a medicated cycle, I had to take an Ovidril shot to make me ovulate. And that has HCG in it. So you kind of like don't know if the line you're seeing on your pregnancy test is from the HCG, from the Ovidril, or if it's from actually being pregnant. And so I was like being a psycho, like testing it out. And I kind of like just assumed that at some point it would get darker and then I'd be pregnant. Um, But at 10 DPO, it like turned stark negative. And I was like, okay, well maybe like you know, tomorrow or the next day, it'll be positive. And then it continued to be negative. And that was like a really dark time for me. Um, I mean, I know not everyone gets pregnant their first actual cycle after a miscarriage, but I mentioned this in my first episode that like all of my close friends that I had also had miscarriages had like ovulated right on time and gotten pregnant like right away again. And everybody says you're like more fertile after a miscarriage. So that was really hard for me because I just assumed that I would like never get pregnant again. And the first time I had gotten pregnant, I had had an HSG, the histosalpingogram right before. And there's like some myths online that that can make it easier for you to get pregnant. So I was really, really depressed and anxious. Um, 
But then I got my period and I actually felt a little bit better because I literally hadn't gotten a period since I was like 13. Again, I explained all this in my first episode, but basically I've been on birth control forever. I got a withdrawal bleed when I came off it and like never had a period again. And then I obviously bled after my miscarriage, but like never had had an actual period. So I was like, okay, I can't believe it, but I'm excited to see my period. Um, And then on day three of my period, um, I went ahead and started another medicated cycle with my fertility clinic. And as an aside, this was like right when everyone started to stay home for the pandemic, which was like good and bad. The great part was that I had needed a break from my job so badly. As a medical speech pathologist, I just give and give and empathize all day. And I really enjoy what I do. But after going through the miscarriage, I just needed a break of like, can care for myself and not care for other people. So um, while I hated what the pandemic was and is doing for everybody in the world, for me personally, it was like really nice to be forced to stay home. But on the other side, there was like absolutely nothing to think about except for TTC, which we all think about nonstop anyway. But when you have nothing else to do at all, it's really in the forefront. Um, So I vowed to myself for that cycle to just be a little bit more relaxed because I could not take the stress level that I had created the month before. And so I was seeing a therapist and I started yoga, which I had never been into. I started meditating every day, which again, I've never been someone. I always thought that was kind of like hooey wooey, but it really, I highly suggest it. Um, and I also realized that the cycle before, I didn't really ever have any cervical mucus. Um, and I think it's because A, I was on medication and B, I was so stressed. So I tried to do some things that I'd read online, like flaxseed, vitamin E, vitamin C for helping with your lining and I cleared all that with my doctor. So, you know, definitely ask your doctor before doing anything like that. But um, I did the 7.5 milligrams of letrozole or femora from Mara, however you say it again. And when I went in for my ultrasounds, um, I was very fortunate that my fertility place stayed open. I can't believe that they did because I know so many places closed. I feel so, so, so lucky. They closed some of their offices. So the office I had to go to was about an hour away, but I don't care. I would have driven way more hours. Um, So I went in and I was told I had a 19 millimeter follicle and that I had to trigger that night. And of course, I, this is a theme that I had my last episode, but my brain is like too medical and I know too much. I always advocate knowing things, but sometimes knowing too much helps you not be able to just trust your doctors. And I had read that the follicle should be like 20 to 22 millimeters. So I couldn't decide. And I'm calling my doctor and asking what she thinks. And she was so sweet and was like, you know, Carly, there's no absolute right to this. Like, if you want to wait one more day, you can. But if you accidentally ovulate on your own, then, you know, we don't get to do the medicated ovulation. So long story short, I did decided to hold off one day and I was using those little LH strips to make sure I didn't ovulate on my own. And I didn't cause I never do on my own. Um, but I triggered the next night. And so during all of this time, I was trying to quote unquote treat or fix my hypothalamic amenorrhea, which, um, like I mentioned, I, I talked about it a tiny bit in my last episode, but basically it is when your hypothalamus isn't working. So you don't get a period. You don't create estrogen or progesterone or any of the hormones that you need. And it's almost always due to stress in your body from too much exercising and not enough like eating and fuel and nutrition. 
And that was really, really hard for me to come to terms with um, because I have, when I was growing up, I was always overweight. And then I was always pushed to like gain or to lose weight and work out and diet. I've been on diet since I was like 11. And I do feel like I had finally found a really happy place with my, you know, working out and my nutrition and I ate really healthy, but I was a little, um, you know, obsessed with it. I counted macros and I weighed a lot of my food and I did work out, you know, five to six times a week, but I definitely was not underweight. My BMI was totally within the normal range. And a lot of the women that have HA have dealt with like true eating disorders and are like very, very thin. Um, but at the same time, a lot of people that have it, it's just that you've pushed your personal body because we're all different to being at a place that's uncomfortable. And so I read through the book, No Period, Now What?, which if you're struggling with potentially hypothalamic amenorrhea, or sometimes they misdiagnose it as PCOS, which did happen to me, um, I highly suggest that book. It's by Nicola Rinaldi. And like when I read through it, I was like, oh my God, like this is me, this is me, this is me, weight loss in the past working out, restricting your calories, restricting certain types of food. And I was like, I should feel fortunate that this may be my only fertility issue. And so I have to do what the book recommends, which is going all in, which means eating a lot more food. Like the book recommends at least 2,500 calories a day and not exercising other than like walking and yoga. And so I was doing that this whole time, my first medicated cycle and my second medicated cycle. And so it was tough because I gained about 15 pounds. And so not only was I like struggling still with the miscarriage and with like trying to conceive with distressful, but I also was struggling with my body changing significantly in the absence of pregnancy. It's kind of like I was losing my identity as like a thinner person that I've had and an athletic person and still kind of in the back of my mind being unsure if this is the right thing to do, thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm going to not be pregnant and I'm going to be like heavier and I'm going to be so unhappy, but I decided to stick with it and talk to my therapist a lot about it. And the last, that last medicated cycle I've been talking about, um, during the two week wait, I told myself I would not test until 12 DPO. Like I can't do this to myself. I cannot test out the trigger like last time. And then at nine DPO, I was showering and I randomly decided to check my cervical position. Don't guys, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Like I don't even know what I'm feeling for, but I had read that like if you're pregnant post ovulation, it should be higher. And I felt it and it was like closed and down. And I got like so upset and I was crying to my husband. And I was like, this isn't going to work again. Like I just know it. We're not pregnant. And oh, and going back to, to, the timed intercourse, there was like one night where my husband like just didn't want to do it. And I had like a meltdown, like trying to conceive. If you guys are listening, I'm sure you know, it's so stressful. Um, so anyway, the next day at 10 DPO, I decided to test, which I had told myself I wouldn't, but I was like, you know what? I'm sure it's going to be negative. Like my cervix is closed. Let's just like get this over with, rip the bandaid off. And I had like a super faint line, like so faint. And I was like, okay, like I'm excited, but also like this could so easily still be my trigger shot because I didn't test it out. Um, and then that night I tested again and it was like ever so slightly darker. Like if you use the cervical or if you use the pregnancy checker app where you can like change the darkness and everything. And 
I was texting one friend who was really close in this with me and, you know, asking if she thought it was darker and we both kind of thought it was. And, oh my God, I spent so many minutes just looking at it over and over. And then the next morning I tested again and I really thought it was darker, but it still wasn't significant. But I was like thinking in my heart, okay, this is definitely like last time my trigger shot was blank. Like the pregnancy tests were completely gone, but if you Google online, your trigger shots can stay longer. So I wasn't feeling great yet. And then that night, I remember it was like 5.30, I tested again and it was like significantly darker. And I was like shaking so much. And I was like, okay, this is definitely positive. Like, you, you know, your trigger's supposed to continue to go out. It wouldn't get significantly darker. So last time I got a positive for my first pregnancy, that was my loss. Um, I mentioned in my episode that I wanted to surprise my husband all cute, but he was like, walked in on me in the bathroom and like saw it. And so this time I was like, oh my gosh, okay, he's upstairs working. I have time. So I had actually bought a little rainbow onesie that said worth the wait. And I had bought it before I even got a positive, just like as a good omen to the universe. I'm like, I will need this at some point. And so I grabbed that onesie and I put on a piece of paper, a little rainbow and said, let's try this again. And I taped the pregnancy test to it. And this, these pregnancy tests weren't a digital, but they were very clearly positive. Um, and just as a little background with the rainbows, um, we have had a friend that's been going, my husband and I, who's been going through fertility issues for like four years. And they finally, I mean, she's due, like probably by the time this airs, she'll have had her baby. Um, and she had had a bunch of chemicals throughout that time, throughout IVF process. And when she finally announced her true pregnancy to us via text, my husband wrote back a rainbow and a smiley face. So I was like, whoa, he's so in the know. He knows what like a rainbow baby is. Well, apparently he doesn't. And he just put a rainbow for some <laughs> odd reason. <laughs> oh my God, and, that's funny. Yeah, I know. I was like, later, I was like, I thought you knew. So when I put this thing on, I put it on a table for him and put a plate over it for dinner. And when he lifts it up, he has no idea what my pregnancy announcement is because it's like filled with rainbows and he doesn't actually know <laughs> what a rainbow baby is. So yeah, that's just a little funny aside, but um, I kind of got to surprise him. Still not as good as I had wanted. Um, but long story short, I went to my fertility doctor and um, got tested and my HCG was really good. And then they said, okay, you know, come in at like five weeks, five days for your first ultrasound. And oh my gosh, waiting for that was awesome awful. I mean, I feel like I had PTSD from the first time. I'm sure a lot of people can relate because for me, the first time I went in, there was, you know, nothing in the sack and they made me wait forever and it ended up being a blighted ovum. And so I just had, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't stop dreaming about going in and it being the exact same thing. And I was working with a therapist and I actually saw her the night before I was going in for my ultrasound and she kept like probing me to talk about what would happen if, you know, it was the same thing as last time. And I just like, broke down crying and it was it was really stressful i mean pregnancy after loss is you feel so grateful but it's still stressful but also you're so excited um so i went in and this was during pandemic time so we had to drive an hour at like 6 a.m to go to this office and my husband of course couldn't come in um which i totally understand with the pandemic but that was still hard and so he actually decided to drive with me and then stay in the car just in case, you know, something wasn't good and he didn't want me to drive back an hour. So I went in and I had the ultrasound and I had a yolk sac, which was amazing because I hadn't had a yolk sac 
the time before. Um, and so they said, come back in a week. And then we went back a week later. And actually, as we pulled up, there was like a giant rainbow, like a full rainbow outside the building, which was, and by this point, my husband knew what a rainbow baby knew what it was. So um, that was amazing. And then I went in and I had a fetal pole and a heartbeat. And then we had to go in one more week later. And we had growth and a heartbeat, which was amazing. And so I was probably a little shy of eight weeks at that point. It was like seven weeks, three days. Um, and so they told me, you know, everything's looking amazing. Your progesterone's looking good. Your HCG's looking good. So you can be discharged to your OB, which was, I mean, like absolutely amazing. I was also a little scared to be discharged from my fertility clinic because they're the best ever. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were so excited. We told our family and, or we are so excited. Um, we told our family and, and really close friends, but you know, I didn't want to tell the world yet this time. Cause last time I kind of told a lot of people, which I still am so glad I did. Cause I had so much support, but I just kind of wanted to keep this for ourselves until we knew a little bit more. Um, and now I'm 16 and a half weeks and we found out we're having a little girl and we're so excited. Honestly, it's, it's still hard to believe sometimes. I mean, like I feel so grateful. I'm literally grateful every single day that I wake up and things are good with this pregnancy. But you know, like sometimes I'm, I'm like, okay, we got to start picking up the nursery and we, you know, got to start deciding on everything and buying things. And then sometimes I'm like, okay, like don't get too ahead of yourself. Like 16 and a half weeks, it feels like it's been a lifetime of me being pregnant already. But at the same time, it still feels like I'm so early. So um, yeah, that's where we are now. And hopefully by the time this airs, I'll have had my 20-week scan and everything's good. And um, I'm just feeling really, really grateful for where we are right now. Oh, yay. Thank you so much for doing this. I so appreciate it. And I can completely relate. It's like 16 weeks and you're like man, I feel like I've been pregnant forever. But, and then, but then at the same time, after miscarriage, you're like, oh my gosh, I, you, yeah. you just want to get there. You know what I mean? I know. I'm like trying so hard to just not wish time away. My therapist has talked yeah. to me a lot about that, but it's also tough. I mean, like I've got it good with the pandemic. Like I still have a job with a beautiful house <laughs> to live in, but like yeah. there's nothing to do. Like what am I yeah. supposed to enjoy time with? Like you go to work and then you think about this. Like there's nothing yeah. really enjoyable with the pandemic right now. So, you know, yeah, I'm totally ready to just like hit each milestone and be there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you. And I always ask at the end of every episode, if you had one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Yeah. So I, well, I'm kind of going to give two because the first one goes along with my, the very first episode I said, like advocate for yourself, which I still am a huge proponent of. And I actually had um, my first OB practice. I'm not going to get into all the negatives with that, but I ended up changing practices because the nurses there were just so awful. And anytime I'd call with like any little pregnancy concern, they, like one time I called with some like strange discharge and they're like, well, mm, it's probably fine. But if you start gushing blood in the next like com- couple hours, then, you know, give us another call. Like they were so terrible. So I finally just changed and like, don't ever be afraid to change practices and get the care you need. Um, But to give some new advice, because that's sort of what I gave last time, I highly recommend trying things outside of your comfort zone for healing. So I was so, I mean, I was so against yoga and meditation. Like it is not who I am. I'm science-based. I'm 
in the medical field. It was not something I ever did, but it has been a huge, huge help for me, especially those nights I was trying to fall asleep before an ultrasound. And I had such anxiety, like learning the scanning of my body that I learned through meditation. It's just really helped me sitting with my mask on in the fertility clinic, waiting for the ultrasound without my husband there. And you wait for, you know, till your doctor comes in, that feels like forever learning those skills to just like keep myself calm. It's the only thing you have control over in trying to conceive in pregnancy is not being as stressed as you can be, which is so hard. And so that's been really helpful. And I highly recommend not even that specifically, but something that you may not think is going to be perfect for you may actually really help in the healing process. Yeah, absolutely. And if somebody wants to reach out to you, where can they do so? They can reach out to me. Probably Instagram is the best. Um, I've actually communicated with a lot of people from this podcast, which has been like so awesome to have other people help me and then to be able to help people that are a little bit you know, newer in it. So uh, I think that my Instagram is Carly S. Schiff, but I know you'll link it. I gave you the wrong one last yes. episode. So <laughs> yes, Instagram is probably the best. And then I'm on Facebook also. Okay, cool. All right, I will link your episode in the description. Thank you so much, Carly, for doing this. I appreciate you. Thank Good you, Shelly. Thank you very yes. much. And I know you'll keep me posted. Absolutely, <laughs> for sure. All right, we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Take myself, take my guest, so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.